This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. have to say it's a strange view from up here today with a low attendance because of the marathon. You got the choir sitting in the back like y'all got in trouble at recess or something. I'm not, I'm not sure what's happening there. But we are really excited to see all of you. We're all excited to be here together standing on the top of this mountain. Can you just feel the cold brace of wind as it rushes past and we use our sticks to get a little more stable and we look far down in this direction and we can see our way all the way to Jerusalem. We can see the path that Jesus and his disciples are going to take as they wade off this mountain to embrace and encounter and deal with the pain, fear, anguish, and suffering that they will experience. We can see them as they head into Jerusalem, as they head in where Jesus will be, be accused and arrested and tried and convicted and then crucified and put in a tomb. And only then will we see the glory of the resurrection of our Lord. That's a hard thing to see. So we're going to turn around and we look the other way on this mountain because we can see all the way around. And we can see from where we've come. We can see Jesus stepping out of the waters of baptism and God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then we can see the last weeks after the Feast of the Epiphany as we learn more and more about the revelation of who Jesus is, and we remember those things. This remembrance of the glory of God and knowing who Jesus is is what will give us the strength and courage to go down this side of the mountain. It is what gave Jesus and his disciples the strength to go into Jerusalem. It's what gives us the strength to go into Jerusalem through the season of Lent as we walk the same mourner's path into Holy Week and Easter. This remembrance is vitally important. And memory is a funny thing. You know, so we, when we remember things, when we get just a little bit away from the thing, it begins to change in our mind. Just think about whatever the event was. And the minute we begin to narrate it, it begins to shift a little bit again. And when we tell the story, maybe you remember it a little differently. Maybe you remember yourself in a little more center to the narrative. Maybe you remember that you said the wise thing or the quippy thing. And maybe over enough tellings of the story, you end up adding the thing you wish you had said that you didn't say. But that becomes part of the narrative. It's the way memory works. And that's why it's really important for us to hear the stories about the way it really happened. I know this happens in my own life, I can tell you. We went to a family reunion many, many years ago. It was the first time my side of the family had gathered in a long time. And we were telling stories, of course, remembering who was where and when we did this thing or that and great vacations and such. Then somebody asked the more philosophical question, what's your very first memory? And, you know, I've had that conversation with lots of people, but I'd never had it in front of my own family, my family. I never had it in front of my mother. And so we were telling our stories and I said, well, mine was, I think it was around, actually, I really do think it's around learning about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Because I remember being at Indy Oaks, it was a retreat center in North Carolina where we went every summer of my life, all my school life. 
And then we even rented the place as a family sometimes for holidays. So we were at In the Oaks. And what I don't remember the words, of course, but I just remember anxious adults kind of came rushing in the room and they plugged in a black and white television. And we gathered around and we watched it and it was something about the president. So I think it was the assassination of John F. Kennedy. I was telling that story, watching my mother's face as I was telling it. At first, she was mildly interested and then clearly perplexed and then utterly confused by what I was saying. And then this little knowing light came in her eyes and then a little smile. And then she just broke into belly laughter that we had to wait for her to stop and say, what? <laughs> what? She says, well, son, that was not the assassination of John F. Kennedy. First of all, we were never in the Oaks in December. That's when he was assassinated. We were always here in the summer. And it was a room full of anxious people. And it was at In the Oaks. And anxious adults did come running in the room. And we did plug in a television and tune in the announcement of Richard Nixon's impeachment. <laughs> and you were 13 years old. <laughs> And then my family passed the hat and took up the first donation for my cognitive baseline test. <laughs> but that's the way memory works. At least it's the way my bad memory works, right? You blend things and they come together and all of a sudden it's a narrative that is something entirely different. And that's why we need the story from the eyewitness. I needed my mother who was there to say, no, baby, <laughs> that's not what happened. Second Peter, the lesson that we heard today, you go home and read the whole book. It'll take you 10 minutes. It's a short beef. It's the oldest, maybe the oldest piece of New Testament writing we have. And it's right, it's the early, and it's, but it's long enough after the resurrection of Jesus and the waiting of Jesus' return is causing an identity crisis for the community. And there were some in that Christian community who had decided, well, Jesus is not going to come back. And so the whole life of Jesus is really more metaphorical than it is real. And some of the stories are, well, maybe. And so they, it led them, apparently, into permission to live in a licentious life. And so those aging eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus were able to stand up and say, no, no, we are not following some cleverly devised myth this really happened. We were there. We saw it. No, baby, it is not the way you remember it. This is what happened. We were on the mountain. We heard the voice of God say, this is my beloved son. We saw the glory of the Lord. It is what has empowered this community this whole time. We saw the crucifixion. We saw the resurrection. All imperative in that text. That memory and telling the truth about that is vitally important because telling the truth about God's glory and majesty allows us to tell the truth about our own lives. It's an invitation for us to tell the truth. As a matter of fact, I think this is one of the reasons I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God because it doesn't do what comes very naturally to us. You know, we tell 
We when we want to impress somebody or bring somebody into my story, I'm going to tell you the stories where I did pretty well. You know, where I was strong or I was smart or I was wise or I was kind. And I might leave out the stories or change them a little bit where I was selfish or greedy or fearful or cowardly. Holy Scripture doesn't do that. It's amazing that our tradition holds on to both the stories of the cause of pain and suffering in the world and the stories of the people of God being faithful. It tells the story of Noah simultaneously being faithful to God, following God, building the ark. Yay, Noah. To Noah getting totally smashed and then doing something with someone he was related to that he probably shouldn't have done. It tells the story of David fighting Goliath. Hero David. It also tells stories of David being fearful and adulterous. This is, and it tells the stories of our Peter, my patron saint, being strong and faithful, and courageous in following Jesus. And then, right when Jesus needed him the most, turned tail and running like a coward. That's how we know this is authoritative. It's true. It tells the whole story. And so it tells the story of the people of God simultaneously being the cause of the pain and suffering in the world and also the ones who testify to what God is doing about the pain and suffering in the world. So we get both from these people. They're not either or. They are simultaneously sinful and faithful. Simultaneously broken and being made whole. This is the work that we're getting ready to do for the season of Lent. You're going to be invited to a season where you tell the truth about your own life. We're going to ask you to examine. We're going to read texts in Scripture that ask you to examine your life. We ask you to a thorough self-examination, a season of fasting, reading, study, repentance, and self-denial to tell the truth. You might have to tell it to yourself first and then begin to tell the truth to God. And acknowledge that we are simultaneously the reason we have to walk to Jerusalem. But we are also the ones who bear witness to the companionship of the Holy Spirit in that walk to Jerusalem. And to the power of God to roll away the stone. We are simultaneously the reason that Jesus was misunderstood, arrested, nailed to a tree, and thrown in a tomb. And we are also the ones who tell the story of God's love rolling the stone away and bringing Jesus to life, bringing all of us into the light of God's redemptive power. This is the work of Lent. This is the work of the spiritual life for us to remember rightly that your life and mine don't become some cleverly invented myth that has nothing to do with what actually happened. So it's strange that on this Sunday, on Marathon Sunday, and the Sunday right before we begin Lent, that, oh yeah, now we want to invite you to join the Legacy Society, which is what Eric's going to do in just a few minutes. Eric Malnazzi is going to come up and invite you to join the Legacy Society, which is a group of people who have decided to leave St. David's a portion of what remains of their estate after they die, so that St. David's can continue the work in the future years. So we're asking you 
to attach your wagon to the horse of this church and say, this is your people. And we're, it's a really fun time to do it. It's our 175th anniversary, right? So we're celebrating the historic life of this church. And we are going to tell all the heroic stories for sure. You know, we are. We're going to brag about how amazing our forebears have been and all the incredible work they have done, including the starting of what is now the largest healthcare system in the city of Austin, including Trinity Center, including Caritas, including, and the list goes on and on and on, of all the ways this church has been faithful. But we're going to tell the whole truth. We're going to tell the places where our forebearers missed the mark terribly. We're going to tell stories that we had slave-holding rectors and that we had abolitionist rectors. This is the truth. We're going to tell stories about where we missed the boat on race, racial reconciliation in the 40s and in the 60s and where it's still not something we speak very fluently. This is not abandoning or, or disrespecting our forebearers. This is faithful storytelling. This is faithful remembrance. We're going to tell the stories, all of them they are. And hopefully what that does is not make you want to run. I mean, you would think we wouldn't tell those other stories. You know, we just won't tell them because we want you to sign on and give us some money. <laughs> right? But no. We're not following some cleverly devised myth about how this has been the perfect city on the hill for 175 years. Now we're going to tell you the real story about the real people who really built this church with the aspiration of being a city on the hill. That's the thing that has stayed true throughout the whole thing. Where we got it right, where we get it wrong. Where we're wrong, where we are the cause of the pain and suffering, and where we have been the ones testifying to what God is doing about the suffering in the world. That, friends, is a legacy worth attaching yourself to. That's a church worth calling home. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.